Poems of Nature Poems Subjective and Reminiscent Religious Poems by John Greenleaf Whittier Mountain Pictures I. Franconia from the Pemigiosset 2. Monadnock from Wachusett The Vanishers The Pageant The Press Gentian A Mystery A Sea Dream Hazel Blossoms Sunset on the Bear Camp The Seeking of the Waterfall The Trailing Arbutus S.T. Martin's Summer Storm on Lake Asquim A Summer Pilgrimage Sweet Fern The Wood Giant A Day Mountain Pictures I. Franconia from the Pemigiosset once more, O mountains of the north, unveil your brows, and lay your cloudy mantles by and once more, ere the eyes that seek ye fail, uplift against the blue walls of the sky your mighty shapes, and let the sunshine weave its golden network in your belting woods, smile down in rainbows from your falling floods, and on your kingly brows at morn and eve set crowns of fire. So shall my soul receive haply the secret of your calm and strength. Your unforgotten beauty interfused my common life. Your glorious shapes and hues and sun-dropped splendors at my bidding come, loom vast through dreams, and stretch in billowy length from the sea level of my lowland home. They rise before me. Last night's thunder gusts roared not in vain, for where its lightnings thrust their tongues of fire, the great peaks seemed so near, burned clean of mist, so starkly bold and clear, I almost paused the wind in the pines to hear the loose rocks fall the steps of browsing deer. The clouds that shattered on yon slide-worn walls and splintered on the rocks their spears of rain have set in play a thousand waterfalls, making the dusk and silence of the woods glad with the laughter of the chasing floods, and luminous with blown spray and silver gleams, while, in the valleys below, the dry-lipped streams sing to the freshened meadowlands again. So, let me hope, the battlestorm that beats the land with hail and fire may pass away with its spent thunders at the break of day, like last night's clouds, and leave, as it retreats, a greener earth and fairer sky behind, blown crystal clear by freedom's northern wind. 2. Monadnock from Wachusett. I would I were a painter, for the sake of a sweet picture, and of her who led, a fitting guide, with reverential tread, into that mountain mystery. First the lake tinted with sunset next the wavy lines of far-receding hills, and yet more far, Monadnock lifting from his night of pines his rosy forehead to the evening star. Beside us, purple-zoned, Wachusett laid his head against the west, whose warm light made his aureole, and o'er him, sharp and clear, like a shaft of lightning in mid-launching stayed, a single level cloud-line, shone upon by the fierce glances of the sunken sun, menaced the darkness with its golden spear. So twilight deepened round us. Still and black the great woods climbed the mountain at our back, and on their skirts, where yet the lingering day on the shorn greenness of the clearing lay, the brown old farmhouse like a bird's nest hung. With home life sounds the desert air was stirred the bleat of sheep along the hill we heard, the bucket plashing in the cool, sweet well, the pasture bars that clattered as they fell, dogs barked, fowls fluttered cattle lowed. The gate of the barnyard creaked beneath the merry weight of some brown children, listening, while they swung, the welcome sound of supper called to hear, and down the shadowy lane, in tinklings clear, the pastoral curfew of the cowbell rung. Thus soothed and pleased, our backward path we took, praising the farmer's home. He only spake, looking into the sunset o'er the lake, like one to whom the far off is most near. Yes, most folks think it has a pleasant look. I love it for my good old mother's sake, 
who lived and died here in the peace of God. The lesson of his words we pondered o'er, as silently we turned the eastern flank of the mountain, where its shadow deepest sank, doubling the night along our rugged road. We felt that man was more than his abode, the inward life than nature's raiment more, and the warm sky, the sundown-tinted hill, the forest and the lake, seemed dwarfed and dim before the saintly soul, whose human will meekly in the eternal footsteps trod, making her homely toil and household ways an earthly echo of the song of praise swelling from angel lips and harps of seraphim. 1862. The Vanishers. Sweetest of all childlike dreams in the simple Indian lore still to me the legend seems of the shapes who flit before. Flitting, passing, seen gone, never reached nor found at rest, baffling search, but beckoning on to the sunset of the blessed. From the clefts of mountain rocks, through the dark of lowland firs, flash the eyes and flow the locks of the mystic vanishers. And the fisher in his skiff, and the hunter on the moss, hear their call from cape and cliff, see their hands the birch leaves toss. Wistful, longing, through the green twilight of the clustered pines, in their faces rarely seen beauty more than mortal shines. Fringed with gold their mantles flow on the slopes of westering knolls, in the wind they whisper low of the sunset land of souls. Doubt who may, old friend of mine, Thou and I have seen them too, on before with beck and sign still they glide, and we pursue. More than clouds of purple trail in the gold of setting day, more than gleams of wing or sail beckon from the sea mist gray. Glimpses of immortal youth, gleams and glories seen and flown, far-heard voices sweet with truth, airs from viewless Eden blown. Beauty that eludes our grasp, sweetness that transcends our taste, loving hands we may not clasp, shining feet that mock our haste. Gentle eyes we closed below, tender voices heard once more, smile and call us, as they go on and onward, still before. Guided thus, O friend of mine let us walk our little way, knowing by each beckoning sign that we are not quite astray. Chase we still, with baffled feet, smiling eye and waving hand, sought and seeker soon shall meet, lost and found, in sunset land 1864. The Pageant A sound as if from bells of silver, or elfin symbols smitten clear, through the frost-pictured panes I hear. A brightness which outshines the morning, a splendor brooking no delay, beckons and tempts my feet away. I leave the trodden village highway for virgin snowpaths glimmering through a jeweled elm tree avenue. Where, keen against the walls of sapphire, the gleaming tree boles, ice embossed, hold up their chandeliers of frost. I tread in orient halls enchanted, I dreamed the saga's dream of caves gemlit beneath the North Sea waves. I walk the land of Eldorado. I touch its mimic garden bowers, its silver leaves and diamond flowers. The flora of the mystic mine world around me lifts on crystal stems the petals of its clustered gems. What miracle of weird transforming in this wild work of frost and light, this glimpse of glory infinite. This foregleam of the holy city like that to him of Patmos given, the white bride coming down from heaven. How flash the ranked and mail-clad alders, through what sharp-glancing spears of reeds the brook its muffled water leads. Yon maple, like the bush of Horeb, burns unconsumed, a white, cold fire rays out from every grassy spire. Each slender rush and spike of mullen, low laurel shrub and drooping fern, transfigured blaze where I turn. How yonder Ethiopian hemlock crowned with his glistening circlet stands. What jewels light his swarthy hands! Here, where the forest opens southward, 
between its hospitable pines, as through a door, the warm sun shines. The jewels loosen on the branches, and lightly, as the soft winds blow, fall, tinkling, on the ice below. And through the clashing of their cymbals I hear the old familiar fall of water down the rocky wall. Where, from its wintry prison breaking, in dark and silence hidden long, the brook repeats its summer song. One instant flashing in the sunshine, keen as a saber from its sheath, then lost again the ice beneath. I hear the rabbit lightly leaping, the foolish screaming of the jay, the chopper's axe stroke far away. The clamor of some neighboring barnyard, the lazy cock's belated crow, or cattle tramp in crispy snow. And, as in some enchanted forest the lost knight hears his comrades sing, and near at hand their bridles ring. So welcome I these sounds and voices, these airs from far-off summer blown, this life that leaves me not alone. For the white glory overawes me, the crystal terror of the seer of Chebar's vision blinds me here. Rebuke me not, O sapphire heaven! Thou stainless earth, lay not on me, thy keen reproach of purity. If, in this august presence chamber, I sigh for summer's leaf-green gloom and warm airs thick with odorous bloom, let the strange frost-work sink and crumble, and let the loosened tree-boughs swing, till all their bells of silver ring. Shine warmly down, thou son of noontime, on this chill pageant, melt and move the winter's frozen heart with love. And soft and low, thou wind south-blowing, breathe through a veil of tenderest haze thy prophecy of summer days. Come with thy green relief of promise, and to this dead, cold splendor bring the living jewels of the spring. 1869. The Press Gentian. The time of gifts has come again, and, on my northern windowpane, outlined against the day's brief light, a Christmas token hangs in sight. The wayside travelers, as they pass, mark the gray disk of clouded glass, and the dull blankness seems, perchance, folly to their wise ignorance. They cannot from their outlook see the perfect grace it hath for me, for there the flower, whose fringes through the frosty breath of autumn blue, turns from without its face of bloom to the warm tropic of my room, as fair as when beside its brook the hue of bending skies it took. So from the trodden ways of earth seem some sweet souls who veil their worth, and offer to the careless glance the clouding gray of circumstance. They blossom best where hearth fires burn, to loving eyes alone they turn the flowers of inward grace, that hide their beauty from the world outside. But deeper meanings come to me, my half-immortal flower, from thee. Man judges from a partial view, none ever yet his brother knew. The eternal eye that sees the whole may better read the darkened soul, and find, to outward sense denied, the flower upon its inmost side 1872. A mystery. The river hemmed with leaning trees wound through its meadows green. A low, blue line of mountains showed the open pines between. One sharp, tall peak above them all clear into sunlight sprang I saw the river of my dreams, the mountains that I sank. No clue of memory led me on, but well the ways I knew, a feeling of familiar things with every footstep grew. Not otherwise above its crag could lean the blasted pine, not otherwise the maple hold aloft its red ensign. So up the long and shorn foothills the mountain road should creep, so, green and low, the meadow fold its red-haired kind asleep. The river wound as it should wind, their place the mountains took, the white torn fringes of their clouds wore no unwanted look. Yet ne'er before that river's rim was pressed by feet of mine, never before mine eyes had crossed that broken mountain line. A presence, strange at once unknown, 
walked with me as my guide. The skirts of some forgotten life trailed noiseless at my side. Was it a dim-remembered dream? Or glimpsed through irons old? The secret which the mountains kept the river never told. But from the vision ere it passed the tender hope I drew, and pleasant as the dawn of spring, the thought within me grew. That love would temper every change, and soften all surprise, and misty with the dreams of earth, the hills of heaven arise. 1873. A Sea Dream. We saw the slow tides go and come, the curving surf lines lightly drawn, the gray rocks touched with tender bloom beneath the fresh-blown rose of dawn. We saw in richer sunsets lost the somber pomp of showery noons, and signaled spectral sails that crossed the weird, low light of rising moons. On stormy eaves from cliff and head we saw the white spray tossed and spurned, while over all, in gold and red, its face of fire the lighthouse turned. The rail car brought its daily crowds, half curious, half indifferent, like passing sails or floating clouds, we saw them as they came and went. But one calm morning, as we lay and watched the mirage-lifted wall of coast, across the dreamy bay, and heard afar the curlew call, and nearer voices, wild or tame, of airy flock and childish throng, up from the water's edge there came faint snatches of familiar song. Careless we heard the singer's choice of old and common airs. At last the tender pathos of his voice in one low chanson held us fast. A song that mingled joy and pain, and memories old and sadly sweet, while, timing to its minor strain, the waves in lapsing cadence beat. The waves are glad in breeze and sun, the rocks are fringed with foam. I walk once more a haunted shore, a stranger, yet at home, a land of dreams I roam. Is this the wind, the soft sea wind that stirred thy locks of brown? Are these the rocks whose mosses knew the trail of thy light gown, where boy and girl sat down? I see the gray fort's broken wall, the boats that rock below, and out at sea, the passing sails we saw so long ago rose red in morning's glow. The freshness of the early time on every breeze is blown, as glad the sea, as blue the sky, the change is ours alone, the saddest is my own. A stranger now, a world-worn man, is he who bears my name, but thou, methinks, whose mortal life immortal youth became, art evermore the same. Thou art not here, thou art not there, thy place I cannot see. I only know that where thou art the blessed angels be, and heaven is glad for thee. Forgive me if the evil years have left on me their sign. Wash out, O souls so beautiful, the many stains of mine in tears of love divine. I could not look on thee and live, if thou wert by my side. The vision of a shining one, the white and heavenly bride, is well to me denied. But turn to me thy dear girl face without the angel's crown the wedded roses of thy lips, thy loose hair rippling down in waves of golden brown. Look forth once more through space and time, and let thy sweet shade fall in tenderest grace of soul and form on memory's frescoed wall, a shadow, and yet all. Draw near, more near, forever dear. Where'er I rest or roam, or in the city's crowded streets, or by the blown sea foam, the thought of thee is home. At breakfast hour the singer read the city news, with comment wise, like one who felt the pulse of trade beneath his finger fall and rise. His look, his air, his curt speech, told the man of action, not of books, to whom the corners made in gold and stocks were more than seaside nooks. Of life beneath the life confessed his song had hinted unawares, of flowers and traffic's ledgers pressed, of human hearts in bulls and bears. 
But eyes in vain were turned to watch that face so hard and shrewd and strong, and ears in vain grew sharp to catch the meaning of that morning song. In vain some sweet voice queerer sought to sound him, leaving as she came. Her baited album only caught a common, unromantic name. No word betrayed the mystery fine that trembled on the singer's tongue. He came and went, and left no sign behind him save the song he sung. 1874. Hazel Blossoms. The summer warmth has left the sky, the summer songs have died away, and withered in the footpaths lie the fallen leaves, but yesterday with ruby and with topaz gay. The grass is browning on the hills, no pale, belated flowers recall the astral fringes of the rills, and drearily the dead vines fall, frost-blackened, from the roadside wall. Yet through the gray and somber wood, against the dusk of fir and pine, last of their floral sisterhood, the hazel's yellow blossoms shine, the tawny gold of Afric's mine. Small beauty hath my unsung flower, for spring to own or summer hail. But in the season's saddest hour, to skies that weep and winds that wail its glad surprisals never fail. O days grown cold! O life grown old no rose of June may bloom again, but like the hazel's twisted gold, through early frost and latter rain shall hints of summertime remain. And as within the hazel's bower gift of mystic virtue dwells, that points to golden ores below, and in dry desert places tells where flow unseen the cool, sweet wells. So, in the wise diviner's hand, be mine the hazel's grateful part to feel, beneath a thirsty land, the living waters thrill and start, the beating of the rivulet's heart. Sufficeth me the gift to light with latest bloom the dark, cold days, to call some hidden spring to sight that, in these dry and dusty ways, shall sing its pleasant song of praise. O love! The hazel wand may fail, but thou canst lend the sure spell, that, passing over Bacca's veil, repeats the old-time miracle, and makes the desert land a well. 1874. Sunset on the Bear Camp. A gold fringe on the purpling hem of hills the river runs, as down its long, green valley falls the last of summer's suns. Along its tawny gravel-bed broad-flowing, swift, and still, as if its meadow levels felt the hurry of the hill, noiseless between its banks of green from curve to curve its slips, the drowsy maple shadows rest like fingers on its lips. Away from Carol's wildest hills, unstoried and unknown, the ursine legend of its name prowls on its banks alone. Yet flowers as fair its slopes adorn as ever Yarrow knew, or, under rainy Irish skies, by Spencer's Muller grew and through the gaps of leaning trees its mountain cradle shows the gold against the amethyst, the green against the rose. Touched by a light that hath no name, a glory never sung, aloft on sky and mountain wall are God's great pictures hung. How changed the summits vast and old! No longer granite-browed, they melt in rosy mist. The rock is softer than the cloud, the valley holds its breath, no leaf of all its elms is twirled the silence of eternity seems falling on the world. The pause before the breaking seals of mystery is this. Yon miracle play of night and day makes dumb its witnesses. What unseen altar crowns the hills that reach up stair on stair? What eyes look through? What white wings fan these purple veils of air? What presence from the heavenly heights to those of earth stoops down? Not vainly Hellas dreamed of gods on Ida's snowy crown. Slow fades the vision of the sky, the golden water pales and over all the valley land a gray-winged vapor sails. I go the common way of all. The sunset fires will burn, the flowers will blow, the river flow, 
when I no more return. No whisper from the mountain pine nor lapsing stream shall tell the stranger, treading where I tread, of him who loved them well. But beauty seen is never lost, God's colors all are fast. The glory of this sunset heaven into my soul has passed, a sense of gladness unconfined to mortal date or clime. As the soul liveth, it shall live beyond the years of time. Beside the mystic asphodels shall bloom the home-born flowers, and new horizons flush and glow with sunset hues of ours. Farewell. These smiling hills must wear too soon their wintry frown, and snow-cold winds from off them shake the maple's red leaves down. But I shall see a summer sun still setting broad and low. The mountain slopes shall blush and bloom, the golden water flow. A lover's claim is mine on all I see to have and hold, the rose light of perpetual hills, and sunsets never cold. 1876. The Seeking of the Waterfall. They left their home of summeries beneath the lowlands sheltering trees, to seek, by ways unknown to all, the promise of the waterfall. Some vague, feigned rumor to the vale had crept, perchance a hunter's tale, of its wild mirth of waters lost on the dark woods through which it tossed. Somewhere it laughed and sang, somewhere whirled in mad dance its misty hair, but who had raised its veil, or seen the rainbow skirts of that undine? They sought it where the mountain brook its swift way to the valley took, along the rugged slope they clomb, their guide a thread of sound and foam. Height after height they slowly won, the fiery javelins of the sun smote the bare ledge, the tangled shade with rock and vine their steps delayed. But through leaf openings, now and then they saw the cheerful homes of men, and the great mountains with their wall of misty purple girdling all, the leaves through which the glad winds blew shared. The wild dance the waters knew, and where the shadows deepest fell the wood thrush rang his silver bell. Fringing the stream, at every turn swung low the waving fronds of fern, from stony cleft and mossy sod pale asters sprang, and goldenrod. And still the water sang the sweet, glad song that stirred its gliding feet, and found in rock and root the keys of its beguiling melodies. Beyond, above, its signals flew of tossing foam the birch trees through, now seen, now lost, but baffling still the weary seeker's slackening will. Each called to each. Lo here! Lo there! Its white scarf flutters in the air! They climbed anew, the vision fled, to beckon higher overhead. So toiled they up the mountain slope with faint and ever fainter hope. With faint and fainter voice the brook still bade them listen, pause, and look. Meanwhile below the day was done, above the tall peaks saw the sun sink, beam shorn, to its misty set behind the hills of violet. Here ends our quest, the seekers cried. The brook and rumor both have lied. The phantom of a waterfall has led us at its beck and call. But one, with years grown wiser, said, So, always baffled, not misled, we follow where before us runs the vision of the shining ones. Not where they seem their signals fly, their voices while we listen die. We cannot keep, however fleet, the quick time of their winged feet. From youth to age unresting stray these kindly mockers in our way, yet lead they not, the baffling elves, to something better than themselves. Here, though unreached the goal we sought, its own reward our toil has brought, the winding water sounding rush, the long note of the hermit thrush. The turquoise lakes, the glimpse of pond and river track, and vast, beyond broad meadows belted round with pines, the grand uplift of mountain lines. What matter though we seek with pain the garden of the gods in vain, 
if lured thereby we climb to greet some wayside blossom Eden sweet. To seek is better than to gain, the fond hope dies as we attain. Life's fairest things are those which seem, the best is that of which we dream. Then let us trust our waterfall still flashes down its rocky wall, with rainbow crescent curved across its sunlit spray from moss to moss. And we, forgetful of our pain, in thought shall seek it oft again, shall see this aster-blossomed sod, this sunshine of the goldenrod, and haply gain, through parting boughs, grand glimpses of great mountain brows cloud-turbaned, and the sharp steel sheen of lakes deep set in valleys green. So failure wins, the consequence of loss becomes its recompense, and evermore the end shall tell the unreached ideal guided well. Our sweet illusions only die fulfilling love's sure prophecy, and every wish for better things and undreamed beauty nearer brings. For fate is servitor of love, desire and hope and longing prove the secret of immortal youth, and nature cheats us into truth. O kind Allurus, wisely sent, beguiling with benign intent, still move us, through divine unrest, to seek the loveliest and the best. Go with us when our souls go free, and in the clear, white light to be, add unto heaven's beatitude the old delight of seeking good. 1878. The Trailing Arbutus. I wandered lonely where the pine trees made against the bitter east their barricade, and guided by its sweet perfume, I found, within a narrow dell, the trailing spring flower tinted like a shell amid dry leaves and mosses at my feet. From under dead boughs, for whose loss the pines moaned ceaseless overhead, the blossoming vines lifted their glad surprise, while yet the bluebird smoothed in leafless trees his feathers ruffled by the chill sea breeze, and snow drifts lingered under April skies. As pausing, o'er the lonely flower I bent, I thought of lives thus lowly, clogged and pent, which yet find room, through care and cumber, coldness and decay, to lend a sweetness to the ungenial day and make the sad earth happier for their bloom. 1879. S.T. Martin Summer. This name in some parts of Europe is given to the season we call Indian Summer, in honor of the good S.T. Martin. The title of the poem was suggested by the fact that the day it refers to was the exact date of that set apart to the saint, the 11th of November. Though flowers have perished at the touch of frost, the early comer, I hailed the season loved so much, the good S.T. Martin's summer. O gracious morn, with rose-red dawn, and thin moon curving o'er it, the old year's darling, latest born, more loved than all before it. How flamed the sunrise through the pines! How stretched the birchen shadows, braiding in long, wind-wavered lines the westward sloping meadows! The sweet day, opening as a flower unfolds its petals tender, renews for us at noontide's hour the summer's tempered splendor. The birds are hushed, alone the wind, that through the woodland searches, the red oak's lingering leaves can find, and yellow plumes of larches. But still the balsam-breathing pine invites no thought of sorrow, no hint of loss from air like wine the earth's content can borrow. The summer and the winter here midway a truce are holding, a soft, consenting atmosphere their tents of peace enfolding. The silent woods, the lonely hills, rise solemn in their gladness, the quiet that the valley fills is scarcely joy or sadness. How strange! The autumn yesterday in winter's grasp seemed dying, on whirling winds from skies of gray the early snow was flying. And now, while over nature's mood there steals a soft relenting, I will not mar the present good, forecasting or lamenting. My autumn time and nature's hold a dreamy tryst together, and both grown old, 
about us fold the golden-tissued weather. I lean my heart against the day to feel its bland caressing. I will not let it pass away before it leaves its blessing. God's angels come not as of old the Syrian shepherds knew them, in reddening dawns, in sunset gold, and warm noon lights I view them. Nor need there is, in times like this when heaven to earth draws nearer, of wing or song as witnesses to make their presence clearer. O stream of life, whose swifter flow is of the end forewarning, methinks thy sundown afterglow seems less of night than morning. Old cares grow light, aside I lay the doubts and fears that troubled, the quiet of the happy day within my soul is doubled. That clouds must veil this fair sunshine not less a joy I find it, nor less yon warm horizon line that winter lurks behind it. The mystery of the untried days I close my eyes from reading, his will be done whose darkest ways to light and life are leading. Less drear the winter night shall be, if memory cheer and hearten its heavy hours with thoughts of thee. Sweet Summer of S.T. Martin 1880 Storm on Lake Asquim A cloud, like that the old-time Hebrews saw on Carmel prophesying rain, began to lift itself o'er wooded cardigan, growing and blackening. Suddenly a flaw. Of chill wind menaced, then a strong blast beat down the long valley's murmuring pines, and woke the noon dream of the sleeping lake, and broke its smooth steel mirror at the mountain's feet. Thunderous and vast, a fire-veined darkness swept over the rough pine-bearded Asquam range, a wraith of tempest, wonderful and strange, from peak to peak the cloudy giant stepped. One moment, as if challenging the storm, Chikorua's tall, defiant sentinel looked from his watchtower, then the shadow fell, and the wild rain-drift blotted out his form. And over all the still unhidden sun, weaving its light through slant-blown veils of rain, smiled on the trouble, as hope smiles on pain and when the tumult and the strife were done. With one foot on the lake and one on land, framing within his crescent's tinted streak a far-off picture of the Melvin Peak, spent broken clouds the rainbow's angel spanned. 1882. A summer pilgrimage. To kneel before some saintly shrine, to breathe the health of airs divine, or bathe where sacred rivers flow, the cowled and turbaned pilgrims go. I too, a palmer, take, as they with staff and scallop shell, my way to feel, from burdening cares and ills, the strong uplifting of the hills. The years are many since, at first, for dreamed of wonders all athirst, I saw on Winnipesaukee fall the shadow of the mountain wall. Ah, where are they who sailed with me the beautiful island-studded sea? And am I he whose keen surprise flashed out from such unclouded eyes? Still, when the sun of summer burns, my longing for the hills returns, and northward, Leaving at my back the warm veil of the Merrimack, I go to meet the winds of morn, blown down the hill gaps, mountain-born, breathe scent of pines, and satisfy the hunger of a lowland eye. Again I see the day decline along a ridge horizon line, touching the hilltops, as a nun her beaded rosary, sinks the sun one lake lies golden, which shall soon be silver in the rising moon, and one, the crimson of the skies and mountain purple multiplies. With the untroubled quiet blends the distant softened voice of friends. The girl's light laugh no discord brings to the low song the pine tree sings. And, not unwelcome, comes the hail of boyhood from his nearing sail. The human presence breaks no spell, and sunset still is miracle. Calm as the hour, methinks I feel a sense of worship o'er me steal. Not that of sadder charming pan, no cult of nature shaming man, not beauty's self but that which lives and shines through all the veils it weaves, 
soul of the mountain, lake, and wood, their witness to the eternal good. And if, by fond illusion, here the earth to heaven seems drawing near, and yon outlying range invites to other and serener heights, scarce hid behind its topmost swell, the shining mounts delectable a dream may hint of truth no less than the sharp light of wakefulness, as through her veil of incense smoke. Of old the spell-wrapped priestess spoke, more than her heathen oracle, may not this trance of sunset tell that nature's forms of loveliness their heavenly archetypes confess, fashioned like Israel's ark alone from patterns in the mound made known? A holier beauty overbrids these fair and faint similitudes, yet not unblessed is he who sees shadows of God's realities, and knows beyond this masquerade of shape and color, light and shade, and dawn and set, and wax and wane, eternal verities remain. O gems of sapphire, granite set! O hills that charmed horizons fret I know how fair your morns can break, in rosy light on isle and lake, how over wooded slopes can run the noonday play of cloud and sun, and evening droop her oriflam of gold and red and still asquam. The summer moons may round again, and careless feet these hills profane. These sunsets waste on vacant eyes the lavish splendor of the skies. Fashion and folly, misplaced here, sigh for their natural atmosphere, and travel pride the outlook scorn of lesser heights than Matterhorn. But let me dream that hill and sky of unseen beauty prophesy, and in these tinted lakes behold the trailing of the raiment fold of that which, still eluding gaze, allures to upward-tending ways, whose footprints make, wherever found, our common earth a holy ground. 1883. Sweet Fern. The subtle power in perfume found nor priest nor sibyl vainly learned, on Grecian shrine or Aztec mound no censer idly burned. That power the old-time worships knew, the carbant's frenzied dance, the Pythian priestess swooning through the wonderland of trance. And nature holds, in wood and field, her thousand sunlit censers still, to spells of flower and shrub we yield against or with our will. I climbed a hill past strange and new with slow feet, pausing at each turn, a sudden waft of west wind blew the breath of the sweet fern. That fragrance from my vision swept the alien landscape, in its stead, up fairer hills of youth I stepped, as light of heart as tread. I saw my boyhood's lakelet shine once more through rifts of woodland shade. I knew my river's winding line by morning mist betrayed. With me June's freshness, lapsing brook, murmurs of leaf and bee, the call of birds, and one in voice and look in keeping with them all. A fern beside the way we went she plucked, and smiling, held it up, while from her hand the wild, sweet scent I drank as from a cup. O potent witchery of smell! The dust-dry leaves to life return, and she who plucked them owns the spell and lifts her ghostly fern. Or sense or spirit? Who shall say what touched the chord of memory thrills? It passed, and left the August day ablaze on lonely hills. The wood giant. From Alton Bay to Sandwich Dome, from Mad to Sacco River, for patriarchs of the primal would we sought with vain endeavor. And then we said, The giants old are lost beyond retrieval. This pygmy growth the axe has spared is not the wood primeval. Look where we will o'er vale and hill, how idle are our searches for broad girth maples, wide limbed oaks, centennial pines and birches. Their tortured limbs the axe and saw have changed to beams and trestles. They rest in walls, they float on seas, they rot in sunken vessels. This shorn and wasted mountain land of underbrush and boulder, who thinks to see its full-grown tree must live a century older. At last to us a woodland path, to open sunset leading, 
revealed the Anakim of Pines our wildest wish exceeding. Alone, the level sun before, below, the lake's green islands, beyond, in misty distance dim, the rugged northern highlands. Dark Titan on his sunset hill of time and change defiant how dwarf the common woodland seemed, before the old-time giant. What marvel that, in simpler days of the world's early childhood, men crowned with garlands, gifts, and praise such monarchs of the wildwood. That Turin maids with flower and song danced through the hill groves spaces, and hoary bearded druids found in woods their holy places. With somewhat of that pagan awe with Christian reverence blending, we saw our pine tree's mighty arms above our heads extending. We heard his needle's mystic rune, now rising, and now dying, as Erstadona's priestess heard the oak leaves prophesying. Was it the half-unconscious moan of one apart and mateless, the weariness of unshared power, the loneliness of greatness? O dawns and sunsets, lend to him your beauty and your wonder. Blithe sparrow, sing thy summer song his solemn shadow under. Play lightly on his slender keys, O wind of summer, waking for hills like these the sound of seas on far-off beaches breaking. And let the eagle and the crow find shelter in his branches, when winds shake down his winter snow in silver avalanches. The brave are braver for their cheer, the strongest need assurance, the sigh of longing makes not less the lesson of endurance. 1885 A day. Talk not of sad November, when a day of warm. Glad sunshine fills the sky of noon, and a wind, borrowed from some morn of June, stirs the brown grasses and the leafless spray. On the unfrosted pool the pillared pines lay their long shafts of shadow, the small rill, singing a pleasant song of summer still, a line of silver, down the hill slope shines. Hush the bird voices and the hum of bees, in the thin grass the crickets pipe no more, but still the squirrel hoards his winter store and drops his nutshells from the shagbark trees. Softly the dark green hemlocks whisper, high above, the spires of yellowing larches show, where the woodpecker and home-loving crow and jay and nuthatch winter's threat defy. O gracious beauty, ever new and old! O sights and sounds of nature, doubly dear when the low sunshine warns the closing year of snow-blown fields and waves of arctic cold! Close to my heart I fold each lovely thing the sweet day yields, and not disconsolate, with the calm patience of the woods I wait for leaf and blossom when God gives us spring. 29th, 11th month, 1886 Poems of Nature Poems Subjective and Reminiscent Religious Poems by John Greenleaf Whittier Mountain Pictures I. Franconia from the Pemigyoset 2. Monadnock from Wachusett The Vanishers the pageant, the press gentian, a mystery, a sea dream, hazel blossoms, sunset on the bear camp, the seeking of the waterfall, the trailing arbutus, S.T. Martin's summer, storm on Lake Asquim, a summer pilgrimage, sweet fern, the wood giant, a day mountain pictures, hi, Franconia from the Pemigyoset once more, O mountains of the north, Unveil your brows, and lay your cloudy mantles by and once more, ere the eyes that seek ye fail, uplift against the blue walls of the sky your mighty shapes, and let the sunshine weave its golden network in your belting woods, smile down in rainbows from your falling floods, and on your kingly brows at morn and eve set crowns of fire. So shall my soul receive haply the secret of your calm and strength, your unforgotten beauty interfused my common life, 
your glorious shapes and hues and sun-dropped splendors at my bidding come, loom vast through dreams, and stretch in billowy length from the sea-level of my lowland home. They rise before me. Last night's thunder gusts roared not in vain, for where its lightnings thrust their tongues of fire, the great peak seemed so near, burned clean of mist, so starkly bold and clear, I almost paused the wind in the pines to hear, the loose rocks fall, the steps of browsing deer. The clouds that shattered on yon slide-worn walls and splintered on the rocks their spears of rain have set in play a thousand waterfalls, making the dusk and silence of the woods glad with the laughter of the chasing floods, and luminous with blown spray and silver gleams, while, in the valleys below, the dry-lipped streams sing to the freshened meadowlands again. So, let me hope— the battlestorm that beats the land with hail and fire may pass away with its spent thunders at the break of day, like last night's clouds, and leave, as it retreats, a greener earth and fairer sky behind, blown crystal clear by freedom's northern wind. 2. Monadnock from Wachusett. I would I were a painter, for the sake of a sweet picture, and of her who led, a fitting guide, with reverential tread, into that mountain mystery. First the lake tinted with sunset next the wavy lines of far-receding hills, and yet more far, Monadnock lifting from his night of pines his rosy forehead to the evening star. Beside us, purple-zoned, Wachusett laid his head against the west, whose warm light made his aureole, and o'er him, sharp and clear, like a shaft of lightning in mid-launching stayed, a single level cloud-line, shone upon by the fierce glances of the sunken sun, menaced the darkness with its golden spear. So twilight deepened round us. Still and black the great woods climbed the mountain at our back, and on their skirts, where yet the lingering day on the shorn greenness of the clearing lay, the brown old farmhouse like a bird's nest hum. With home life sounds the desert air was stirred the bleat of sheep along the hill we heard, the bucket plashing in the cool, sweet well, the pasture bars that clattered as they fell, dogs barked, fowls fluttered cattle lowed. The gate of the barnyard creaked beneath the merry weight of sun-brown children, listening, while they swung, the welcome sound of supper called to hear, and down the shadowy lane, in tinklings clear, the pastoral curfew of the cowbell rung. Thus soothed and pleased, our backward path we took, praising the farmer's home. He only spake, looking into the sunset o'er the lake, like one to whom the far-off is most near. Yes, most folks think it has a pleasant look. I love it for my good old mother's sake, who lived and died here in the peace of God. The lesson of his words we pondered o'er, as silently we turned the eastern flank of the mountain, where its shadow deepest sank, doubling the night along our rugged road. We felt that man was more than his abode, the inward life than nature's raiment more, and the warm sky, the sundown-tinted hill, the forest and the lake, seemed dwarfed and dim before the saintly soul whose human will meekly in the eternal footsteps trod, making her homely toil and household ways an earthly echo of the song of praise swelling from angel lips and harps of seraphim. 1862. The Vanishers. Sweetest of all childlike dreams in the simple Indian lore still to me the legend seems of the shapes who flit before. Flitting, passing, seen gone, never reached nor found at rest, baffling search, but beckoning on to the sunset of the blessed. From the clefts of mountain rocks, through the dark of lowland firs, flashed the eyes and flow the locks of the mystic vanishers. And the fisher in his skiff, and the hunter on the moss, hear their call from cape and cliff, see their hands the birch leaves toss. Wistful, longing, 
through the green twilight of the clustered pines, in their faces rarely seen beauty more than mortal shines. Fringed with gold their mantles flow on the slopes of westering knolls, in the wind they whisper low of the sunset land of souls. Doubt who may, old friend of mine. Thou and I have seen them too, on before with beck and sign still they glide, and we pursue. More than clouds of purple trail in the gold of setting day, more than gleams of wing or sail beckon from the sea mist gray. Glimpses of immortal youth, gleams and glories seen and flown, far-heard voices sweet with truth, airs from viewless Eden blown. Beauty that eludes our grasp, sweetness that transcends our taste, loving hands we may not clasp, shining feet that mock our haste. Gentle eyes we closed below, tender voices heard once more, smile and call us, as they go on and onward, still before. Guided thus, O friend of mine let us walk our little way, knowing by each beckoning sign that we are not quite astray. Chase we still, with baffled feet, smiling eye and waving hand, sought and seeker soon shall meet, lost and found, in sunset land 1864. The Pageant A sound as if from bells of silver, or elfin symbols smitten clear, through the frost-pictured panes I hear. A brightness which outshines the morning, a splendor brooking no delay, beckons and tempts my feet away. I leave the trodden village highway for virgin snowpaths glimmering through a jeweled elm tree avenue. Where, keen against the walls of sapphire, the gleaming tree boles, ice embossed, hold up their chandeliers of frost. I tread in orient halls enchanted. I dream the saga's dream of caves gemlit beneath the North Sea waves. I walk the land of Eldorado. I touch its mimic garden bowers, its silver leaves and diamond flowers. The flora of the mystic mine world around me lifts on crystal stems the petals of its clustered gems. What miracle of weird transforming in this wild work of frost and light, this glimpse of glory infinite. This foregleam of the holy city like that to him of Patmos given, the white bride coming down from heaven. How flash the ranked and mail-clad alders, through what sharp glancing spears of reeds the brook its muffled water leads. Yon maple, like the bush of Horeb, burns unconsumed, a white, cold fire rays out from every grassy spire. Each slender rush and spike of mullein, low laurel shrub and drooping fern, transfigured blaze where I turn. How yonder Ethiopian hemlock crowned with his glistening circlet stands. What jewels light his swarthy hands. Here, where the forest opens southward, between its hospitable pines, as through a door, the warm sun shines. The jewels loosen on the branches, and lightly, as the soft winds blow, fall, tinkling, on the ice below. And through the clashing of their cymbals I hear the old familiar fall of water down the rocky wall. Where, from its wintry prison breaking, in dark and silence hidden long, the brook repeats its summer song. One instant flashing in the sunshine, keen as a saber from its sheath, then lost again the ice beneath. I hear the rabbit lightly leaping, the foolish screaming of the jay, the chopper's axe stroke far away. The clamor of some neighboring barnyard, the lazy cock's belated crow, or cattle tramp in crispy snow. And, as in some enchanted forest the lost knight hears his comrades sing, and near at hand their bridles ring. So welcome I these sounds and voices, these airs from far-off summer blown, this life that leaves me not alone. For the white glory overawes me, the crystal terror of the seer of Chebar's vision blinds me here. Rebuke me not, O sapphire heaven. Thou stainless earth, lay not on me, thy keen reproach of purity.
if, in this august presence chamber, I sigh for summer's leaf-green gloom and warm airs thick with odorous bloom, let the strange frostwork sink and crumble, and let the loosened tree boughs swing, till all their bells of silver ring. Shine warmly down, thou sun of noontime, on this chill pageant, melt and move the winter's frozen heart with love. And soft and low, thou wind south-blowing, breathe through a veil of tenderest haze thy prophecy of summer days. Come with thy green relief of promise, and to this dead, cold splendor bring the living jewels of the spring. 1869. The Press Gentian. The time of gifts has come again, and, on my northern windowpane, outlined against the day's brief light, a Christmas token hangs in sight. The wayside travelers, as they pass, mark the gray disk of clouded glass, and the dull blankness seems, perchance, folly to their wise ignorance. They cannot from their outlook see the perfect grace it hath for me, for there the flower, whose fringes through the frosty breath of autumn blue, turns from without its face of bloom to the warm tropic of my room, as fair as when beside its brook the hue of bending skies it took. So from the trodden ways of earth seem some sweet souls who veil their worth, and offer to the careless glance the clouding gray of circumstance. They blossom best where hearth-fires burn, to loving eyes alone they turn the flowers of inward grace, that hide their beauty from the world outside. But deeper meanings come to me, my half-immortal flower, from thee. Man judges from a partial view, none ever yet his brother knew. The eternal eye that sees the whole may better read the darkened soul, and find, to outward sense denied, the flower upon its inmost side 1872. A mystery. The river hemmed with leaning trees wound through its meadows green. A low, blue line of mountains showed the open pines between. One sharp, tall peak above them all clear into sunlight sprang I saw the river of my dreams, the mountains that I sang. No clue of memory led me on, but well the ways I knew, a feeling of familiar things with every footstep grew. Not otherwise above its crag could lean the blasted pine, not otherwise the maple hold aloft its red ensign. So up the long and shorn foothills the mountain road should creep, so, green and low, the meadow fold its red-haired kind asleep. The river wound as it should wind, their place the mountains took, the white torn fringes of their clouds wore no unwanted look. Yet ne'er before that river's rim was pressed by feet of mine, never before mine eyes had crossed that broken mountain line. A presence, strange at once and known, walked with me as my guide, the skirts of some forgotten life trailed noiseless at my side. Was it a dim-remembered dream? Or glimpsed through irons old? The secret which the mountains kept the river never told. But from the vision ere it passed a tender hope I drew, and pleasant as the dawn of spring, the thought within me grew. That love would temper every change, and soften all surprise, and misty with the dreams of earth, the hills of heaven arise. 1873. A Sea Dream. We saw the slow tides go and come, the curving surf lines lightly drawn, the gray rocks touched with tender bloom beneath the fresh-blown rose of dawn. We saw in richer sunsets lost the somber pomp of showery noons, and signaled spectral sails that crossed the weird, low light of rising moons. On stormy eaves from cliff and head we saw the white spray tossed and spurned, while over all, in gold and red, its face of fire the lighthouse turned. The rail car brought its daily crowds, half curious, half indifferent, like passing sails or floating clouds, we saw them as they came and went. But one calm morning, as we lay and watched the mirage-lifted wall of coast, 
across the dreamy bay, and heard afar the curlew call, and nearer voices, wild or tame, of airy flock and childish throng, up from the water's edge there came faint snatches of familiar song. Careless we heard the singer's choice of old and common airs. At last the tender pathos of his voice in one low chanson held us fast. A song that mingled joy and pain, and memories old and sadly sweet, while, timing to its minor strain, the waves in lapsing cadence beat. The waves are glad in breeze and sun, the rocks are fringed with foam. I walk once more a haunted shore, a stranger, yet at home, a land of dreams I roam. Is this the wind, the soft sea wind that stirred thy locks of brown? Are these the rocks whose mosses knew the trail of thy light gown, where boy and girl sat down? I see the gray fort's broken wall, the boats that rock below, and out at sea, the passing sails we saw so long ago rose red in morning's glow. The freshness of the early time on every breeze is blown, as glad the sea, as blue the sky, the change is ours alone, the saddest is my own. A stranger now, a world-worn man, is he who bears my name, but thou, methinks, whose mortal life immortal youth became, art evermore the same. Thou art not here, thou art not there, thy place I cannot see. I only know that where thou art the blessed angels be, and heaven is glad for thee. Forgive me if the evil years have left on me their sign. Wash out, O souls so beautiful, the many stains of mine and tears of love divine. I could not look on thee and live, if thou wert by my side. The vision of a shining one, the white and heavenly bride, is well to me denied. But turn to me thy dear girl face without the angel's crown the wetted roses of thy lips, thy loose hair rippling down in waves of golden brown. Look forth once more through space and time, and let thy sweet shade fall in tenderest grace of soul and form on memory's frescoed wall, a shadow, and yet all. Draw near, more near, forever dear. Where'er I rest or roam, or in the city's crowded streets, or by the blown sea foam, the thought of thee is home. At breakfast hour the singer read the city news, with comment wise, like one who felt the pulse of trade beneath his finger fall and rise. His look, his air, his curt speech, told the man of action, not of books, to whom the corners made in gold and stocks were more than seaside nooks. Of life beneath the life confessed his song had hinted unawares, of flowers and traffic's ledgers pressed, of human hearts in bulls and bears. But eyes in vain were turned to watch that face so hard and shrewd and strong and ears in vain grew sharp to catch the meaning of that morning song. In vain some sweet voice Quiris sought to sound him, leaving as she came. Her baited album only caught a common, unromantic name. No word betrayed the mystery fine that trembled on the singer's tongue. He came and went, and left no sign behind him save the song he sung. 1874. Hazel Blossoms. The summer warmth has left the sky, the summer songs have died away and withered in the footpaths lie the fallen leaves, but yesterday with ruby and with topaz gay. The grass is browning on the hills, no pale, belated flowers recall the astral fringes of the rills, and drearily the dead vines fall, frost-blackened, from the roadside wall. Yet through the gray and somber wood, against the dusk of fir and pine, last of their floral sisterhood, the hazel's yellow blossoms shine, the tawny gold of Afric's mine, Small beauty hath my unsung flower, for spring to own or summer hail. But in the season's saddest hour, to skies that weep and winds that wail its glad surprisals never fail. O days grown cold! 
O life grown old no rose of June may bloom again, but like the hazel's twisted gold, through early frost and latter rain shall hints of summertime remain. And as within the hazel's bower gift of mystic virtue dwells, that points to golden ores below, and in dry desert places tells where flow unseen the cool, sweet wells. So, in the wise diviner's hand, be mine the hazel's grateful part to feel, beneath a thirsty land, the living waters thrill and start, the beating of the rivulet's heart. Sufficeth me the gift to light with latest bloom the dark, cold days, to call some hidden spring to sight that, in these dry and dusty ways, shall sing its pleasant song of praise. O love! The hazel wand may fail, but thou canst lend the sure spell, that, passing over Bacchus' veil, repeats the old-time miracle, and makes the desert land a well. 1874. Sunset on the Bear Camp. A gold fringe on the purpling hem of hills the river runs, as down its long, green valley falls the last of summer's suns. Along its tawny gravel bed broad-flowing, swift, and still, as if its meadow levels felt the hurry of the hill, noiseless between its banks of green from curve to curve it slips. The drowsy maple shadows rest like fingers on its lips. Away from Carol's wildest hills, unstoried and unknown, the ursine legend of its name prowls on its banks alone. Yet flowers as fair its slopes adorn as ever Yarrow knew, or, under rainy Irish skies, by Spencer's Muller grew, and through the gaps of leaning trees its mountain cradle shows the gold against the amethyst, the green against the rose. Touched by a light that hath no name, a glory never sung, aloft on sky and mountain wall are God's great pictures hung. How change the summits vast and old! No longer granite-browed, they melt in rosy mist. The rock is softer than the cloud. The valley holds its breath. No leaf of all its elms is twirled the silence of eternity seems falling on the world. The pause before the breaking seals of mystery is this. Yon miracle play of night and day makes dumb its witnesses. What unseen altar crowns the hills that reach up stair on stair? What eyes look through? What white wings fan these purple veils of air? What presence from the heavenly heights to those of earth stoops down? Not vainly Hellas dreamed of gods on Ida's snowy crown. Slow fades the vision of the sky, the golden water pales, and over all the valley land a gray-winged vapor sails. I go the common way of all. The sunset fires will burn, the flowers will blow, the river flow, when I no more return. No whisper from the mountain pine nor lapsing stream shall tell the stranger, treading where I tread, of him who loved them well. But beauty seen is never lost, God's colors all are fast. The glory of this sunset heaven into my soul has passed, a sense of gladness unconfined to mortal date or clime. As the soul liveth, it shall live beyond the years of time. Beside the mystic asphodels shall bloom the home-born flowers, and new horizons flush and glow with sunset hues of ours. Farewell. These smiling hills must wear too soon their wintry frown, and snow-cold winds from off them shake the maple's red leaves down. But I shall see a summer sun still setting broad and low. The mountain slopes shall blush and bloom, the golden water flow. A lover's claim is mine on all I see to have and hold, the rose light of perpetual hills, and sunsets never cold. 1876. The Seeking of the Waterfall. They left their home of summeries beneath the lowlands sheltering trees, to seek, by ways unknown to all, the promise of the waterfall. Some vague, feigned rumor to the vale had crept, perchance a hunter's tale, 
of its wild mirth of waters lost on the dark woods through which it tossed. Somewhere it laughed and sang, somewhere whirled in mad dance its misty hair, but who had raised its veil, or seen the rainbow skirts of that undine? They sought it where the mountain brook its swift way to the valley took, along the rugged slope they clomb, their guide a thread of sound and foam. Height after height they slowly won, the fiery javelins of the sun smote the bare ledge, the tangled shade with rock and vine their steps delayed. But through leaf openings, now and then they saw the cheerful homes of men, and the great mountains with their wall of misty purple girdling all, the leaves through which the glad winds blew shared. The wild dance the waters knew, and where the shadows deepest fell the wood thrush rang his silver bell. Fringing the stream, at every turn swung low the waving fronds of fern, from stony cleft and mossy sod pale asters sprang, and goldenrod. And still the water sang the sweet, glad song that stirred its gliding feet, and found in rock and root the keys of its beguiling melodies. Beyond, above, its signals flew of tossing foam the birch trees through, now seen, now lost, but baffling still the weary seeker's slackening will. Each called to each. Lo here! Lo there! Its white scarf flutters in the air! They climbed anew, the vision fled, to beckon higher overhead. So toiled they up the mountain slope with faint and ever fainter hope. With faint and fainter voice the brook still bade them listen, pause, and look. Meanwhile below the day was done, above the tall peaks saw the sun sink, beam shorn, to its misty set behind the hills of violet. Here ends our quest, the seekers cried. The brook and rumor both have lied. The phantom of a waterfall has led us at its beck and call. But one, with years grown wiser, said, So, always baffled, not misled, we follow where before us runs the vision of the shining ones. Not where they seem their signals fly, their voices while we listen die. We cannot keep, however fleet, the quick time of their winged feet. From youth to age unresting stray these kindly mockers in our way, yet lead they not, the baffling elves, to something better than themselves. Here, though unreached the goal we sought, its own reward our toil has brought, the winding water sounding rush, the long note of the hermit thrush. The turquoise lakes, the glimpse of pond and river track, and vast, beyond broad meadows belted round with pines, the grand uplift of mountain lines. What matter though we seek with pain the garden of the gods in vain, if lured thereby we climb to greet some wayside blossom Eden sweet. To seek is better than to gain, the fond hope dies as we attain. Life's fairest things are those which seem, the best is that of which we dream. Then let us trust our waterfall still flashes down its rocky wall, with rainbow crescent curved across its sunlit spray from moss to moss. And we, forgetful of our pain, in thought shall seek it oft again, shall see this aster-blossomed sod, this sunshine of the golden rod. And haply gain, through parting boughs, grand glimpses of great mountain brows cloud-turbaned, and the sharp steel sheen of lakes deep set in valleys green. So failure wins, the consequence of loss becomes its recompense, and evermore the end shall tell the unreached ideal guided well. Our sweet illusions only die fulfilling love's sure prophecy, and every wish for better things and undreamed beauty nearer brings. For fate is servitor of love, desire and hope and longing prove the secret of immortal youth, and nature cheats us into truth. O kind Allurus, wisely sent, beguiling with benign intent, still move us, through divine unrest, to seek the loveliest and the best. Go with us when our souls go free, and in the clear, 
white light to be, add unto heaven's beatitude the old delight of seeking good. 1878. The Trailing Arbutus. I wandered lonely where the pine trees made against the bitter east their barricade, and guided by its sweet perfume, I found, within a narrow dell, the trailing spring flower tinted like a shell amid dry leaves and mosses at my feet. From under dead boughs, for whose loss the pines moaned ceaseless overhead, the blossoming vines lifted their glad surprise, while yet the bluebird smoothed in leafless trees his feathers ruffled by the chill sea breeze, and snowdrifts lingered under April skies. As pausing, o'er the lonely flower I bent, I thought of lives thus lowly, clogged and pent, which yet find room, through care and cumber, coldness and decay, to lend a sweetness to the ungenial day and make the sad earth happier for their bloom. 1879. S. T. Martin Summer. This name in some parts of Europe is given to the season we call Indian Summer, in honor of the good S. T. Martin. The title of the poem was suggested by the fact that the day it refers to was the exact date of that set apart to the saint, the 11th of November. Though flowers have perished at the touch of frost, the early comer, I hailed the season loved so much, the good S. T. Martin's summer. O gracious morn, with rose-red dawn, and thin moon curving o'er it, the old year's darling, latest born, more loved than all before it. How flamed the sunrise through the pines! How stretched the birchen shadows, braiding in long, wind-wavered lines the westward-sloping meadows! The sweet day, opening as a flower unfolds its petals tender, renews for us at noontide's hour the summer's tempered splendor. The birds are hushed, alone the wind, that through the woodland searches, the red oak's lingering leaves can find, and yellow plumes of larches. But still the balsam-breathing pine invites no thought of sorrow, no hint of loss from air like wine the earth's content can borrow. The summer and the winter here midway a truce are holding, a soft, consenting atmosphere their tents of peace enfolding. The silent woods, the lonely hills, rise solemn in their gladness, the quiet that the valley fills is scarcely joy or sadness. How strange! The autumn yesterday in winter's grasp seemed dying, on whirling winds from skies of gray the early snow was flying. And now, while over nature's mood there steals a soft relenting, I will not mar the present good, forecasting or lamenting. My autumn time and nature's hold a dreamy tryst together, and both grown old, about us fold the golden-tissued weather. I lean my heart against the day to feel its bland caressing. I will not let it pass away before it leaves its blessing. God's angels come not as of old the Syrian shepherds knew them, in reddening dawns, in sunset gold, and warm noon lights I view them. Nor need there is, in times like this when heaven to earth draws nearer, of wing or song as witnesses to make their presence clearer. O stream of life, whose swifter flow is of the end forewarning, methinks thy sundown afterglow seems less of night than morning. Old cares grow light, aside I lay the doubts and fears that troubled. The quiet of the happy day within my soul is doubled. That clouds must veil this fair sunshine not less a joy I find it, nor less yon warm horizon line that winter lurks behind it. The mystery of the untried days I close my eyes from reading. His will be done whose darkest ways to light and life are leading. Less drear the winter night shall be, if memory cheer and hearten its heavy hours with thoughts of thee, sweet summer of S. T. Martin. 1880. Storm on Lake Asquim. A cloud, like that the old-time Hebrews saw on Carmel prophesying rain, began to lift itself o'er wooded cardigan, 
growing and blackening. Suddenly a flaw. Of chill wind menaced, then a strong blast beat down the long valley's murmuring pines, and woke the noon dream of the sleeping lake, and broke its smooth steel mirror at the mountain's feet. Thunderous and vast, a fire-veined darkness swept over the rough pine-bearded Asquam range, a wraith of tempest, wonderful and strange, from peak to peak the cloudy giant stepped. One moment, as if challenging the storm, Chikoru's tall, defiant sentinel looked from his watchtower, then the shadow fell, and the wild rain drift blotted out his form. And over all the still unhidden sun, weaving its light through slant-blown veils of rain, smiled on the trouble, as hope smiles on pain, and when the tumult and the strife were done, with one foot on the lake and one on land, framing within his crescent's tinted streak a far-off picture of the Melvin Peak, spent broken clouds the rainbow's angel spanned. 1882. A summer pilgrimage. To kneel before some saintly shrine, to breathe the health of airs divine, or bathe where sacred rivers flow, the cowled and turbaned pilgrims go. I too, a palmer, take, as they with staff and scallop shell, my way to feel, from burdening cares and ills, the strong uplifting of the hills. The years are many since, at first, for dreamed of wonders all athirst, I saw on Winnipesaukee fall the shadow of the mountain wall. Ah, where are they who sailed with me the beautiful island-studded sea? And am I he whose keen surprise flashed out from such unclouded eyes? Still, when the sun of summer burns, my longing for the hills returns, and northward, leaving at my back the warm veil of the Merrimack, I go to meet the winds of morn, blown down the hill gaps, mountain-born, breathe scent of pines, and satisfy the hunger of a lowland eye. Again I see the day decline along a ridge horizon line, touching the hilltops, as a nun her beaded rosary, sinks the sun one lake lies golden, which shall soon be silver in the rising moon, and one, the crimson of the skies and mountain purple multiplies. With the untroubled quiet blends the distant softened voice of friends, the girl's light laugh no discord brings to the low song the pine tree sings, and, not unwelcome, comes the hail of boyhood from his nearing sail. The human presence breaks no spell, and sunset still is miracle. Calm as the hour, methinks I feel a sense of worship o'er me steal, not that of sadder charming pan, no cult of nature shaming man, not beauty's self, but that which lives and shines through all the veils it weaves, soul of the mountain, lake, and wood, their witness to the eternal good. And if, by fond illusion, here the earth to heaven seems drawing near, and yon outlying range invites to other and serener heights, scarce hid behind its topmost swell, the shining mounts delectable a dream may hint of truth no less than the sharp light of wakefulness, as through her veil of incense smoke. Of old the spell-wrapped priestess spoke, more than her heathen oracle, May not this trance of sunset tell that nature's forms of loveliness their heavenly archetypes confess, fashioned like Israel's ark alone from patterns in the mound made known? A holier beauty overbreeds these fair and faint similitudes, yet not unblessed is he who sees shadows of God's realities, and knows beyond this masquerade of shape and color, light and shade, and dawn and set, and wax and wane, eternal verities remain. O gems of sapphire, granite set! O hills that charmed horizons fret, I know how fair your morns can break, in rosy light on isle and lake, how over wooded slopes can run the noonday play of cloud and sun, and evening droop her oriflamme of gold and red and still asquam. The summer moons may round again, and careless feet these hills profane, 
These sunsets waste on vacant eyes the lavish splendor of the skies. Fashion and folly, misplaced here, sigh for their natural atmosphere, and traveled pride the outlook scorn of lesser heights than Matterhorn. But let me dream that hill and sky of unseen beauty prophesy, and in these tinted lakes behold the trailing of the raiment fold of that which, still eluding gaze, allures to upward-tending ways, whose footprints make, wherever found, our common earth a holy ground. 1883. Sweet Fern. The subtle power in perfume found nor priest nor sibyl vainly learned, on Grecian shrine or Aztec mound no censer idly burned. That power the old-time worships knew, the carbant's frenzied dance, the Pythian priestess swooning through the wonderland of trance. And nature holds, in wood and field, her thousand sunlit censers still, to spells of flower and shrub we yield against or with our will. I climbed a hill past strange and new with slow feet, pausing at each turn, a sudden waft of west wind blew the breath of the sweet fern. That fragrance from my vision swept the alien landscape, in its stead, up fairer hills of youth I stepped, as light of heart as tread. I saw my boyhood's lakelet shine once more through rifts of woodland shade. I knew my river's winding line by morning mist betrayed. With me June's freshness, lapsing brook, murmurs of leaf and bee, the call of birds, and one in voice and look in keeping with them all. A fern beside the way we went she plucked, and smiling, held it up, while from her hand the wild, sweet scent I drank as from a cup. O potent witchery of smell! The dust-dry leaves to life return, and she who plucked them owns the spell and lifts her ghostly fern. Or sense or spirit? Who shall say what touched the chord of memory thrills? It passed, and left the August day ablaze on lonely hills. The wood giant. From Alton Bay to Sandwich Dome, from Mad to Sacco River, for patriarchs of the primal wood we sought with vain endeavor. And then we said, The giants old are lost beyond retrieval. This pygmy growth the axe has spared is not the wood primeval. Look where we will o'er vale and hill, how idle are our searches for broad-girth maples, wide-limbed oaks, centennial pines and birches. Their tortured limbs the axe and saw have changed to beams and trestles. They rest in walls, they float on seas, they rot in sunken vessels. This shorn and wasted mountain land of underbrush and boulder, who thinks to see its full-grown tree must live a century older. At last to us a woodland path, to open sunset leading, revealed the anakim of pines our wildest wish exceeding. Alone, the level sun before, below, the lake's green islands, beyond, in misty distance dim, the rugged northern highlands. Dark Titan on his sunset hill of time and change defiant how dwarf the common woodland seemed, before the old-time giant. What marvel that, in simpler days of the world's early childhood, men crowned with garlands, gifts, and praised such monarchs of the wildwood. That Tyrian maids with flower and song danced through the hill groves' spaces, and hoary-bearded druids found in woods their holy places. With somewhat of that pagan awe with Christian reverence blending, we saw our pine tree's mighty arms above our heads extending. We heard his needle's mystic rune, now rising, and now dying, as Erstadona's priestess heard the oak leaves prophesying. Was it the half-unconscious moan of one apart and mateless, the weariness of unshared power, the loneliness of greatness? O dawns and sunsets, lend to him your beauty and your wonder. Blithe sparrow, sing thy summer song his solemn shadow under. Play lightly on his slender keys, O wind of summer, waking for hills like these the sound of seas on far-off beaches breaking. 
and let the eagle and the crow find shelter in his branches, when winds shake down his winter snow and silver avalanches. The brave are braver for their cheer, the strongest need assurance, the sigh of longing makes not less the lesson of endurance. 1885. A day. Talk not of sad November, when a day of warm, glad sunshine fills the sky of noon, and a wind, borrowed from some morn of June, stirs the brown grasses and the leafless spray. On the unfrosted pool the pillared pines lay their long shafts of shadow, the small rill, singing a pleasant song of summer still, a line of silver, down the hill slope shines. Hush the bird voices and the hum of bees, in the thin grass the crickets pipe no more, but still the squirrel hoards his winter store, and drops his nutshells from the shagbark trees. Softly the dark green hemlocks whisper, high above, the spires of yellowing larches show, where the woodpecker and home-loving crow and jay and nuthatch winter's threat defy. O gracious beauty, ever new and old! O sights and sounds of nature, doubly dear when the low sunshine warns the closing year of snow-blown fields and waves of arctic cold. Close to my heart I fold each lovely thing the sweet day yields, and not disconsolate, with the calm patience of the woods I wait for leaf and blossom when God gives us spring. Twenty-ninth, eleventh month, 1886.